shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. are back we're having fun we're dancing stay before podcast with your host brandon and Artie. let's start out with how are things in the north they're good they're good i can't just help but dance when i hear that music it might not be warm up here but it feels warm when that music's playing yeah, yeah. it feels like havana should be open right <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh thank you guys for listening and tuning in we appreciate you. We'll get right to it this week. A uh, lot of big news, big big money plays here. Um, in the last week, we got the announcement that the Super League was coming. And then we also got the news that the Super League probably is not happening anymore. So why don't you explain... What the Super League is for those who don't know. Yeah, so basically, you know, the top six clubs in 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 the EPL, the top three clubs in La Liga in Spain, the top three clubs in uh, in the Italian league, and uh, a few others were kind of forming a Super League, basically of all of the top clubs globally. Um, they were trying to create, you know, one of the more Mo- a bigger a sports model, a league model, as you would see kind of in the United States. Consider it like the NFL for soccer, but picking and choosing the top clubs from each of these countries. Now, they were going to have 15 members teams. They only had 12 confirmed at the time. And then they were going to invite on a yearly basis five more teams each year based on performance or, or whatever else, whatever other metrics they, they like. Um, so they announced this on Sunday and, uh, it was ahead of the, you know, UEFA's reform announcements on Monday. Now, the reason that's interesting is, you know, as part of like the, the reform that UEFA was doing, you know, and UEFA is the, the, the federation that oversees all of European soccer, um, these big clubs make most of the money, don't make that, make a good chunk of the money, but they weren't happy with their slice of the pie. They know that many of the reasons that people tune in for the Champions League is to see them and they wanted a bigger slice of the pie and they weren't happy with it. So as a negotiation tactic, they created the Super League. The problem is, is that everything was already done and, you know, they just had to kind of put ink to paper. So your negotiation tactic is not helpful at this time. If you did a week or two earlier, hey, it would have been a lot more helpful. And all they did was stir up and can create ill will towards from fans, politicians, and other government officials. Um, and of course, you know, FIFA, the overall global head of soccer. So not well played by, by these clubs, even though it's probably something that could have worked if they just timed it better. Yeah, I mean, these are some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, the teams... Twelve teams are Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, Tottenham, Real Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, Juventus, Inter, and AC Milan. So you have, you know, a lot of these big name brands that, if you know, they wanted to create their own league, have enough power really to do so. So again, like you said, 
it comes down to to how do you time this and make this work um and then are you willing to deal with the repercussions that potentially arise uh coming from uefa and coming from fifa uh and then also from the leagues uh potentially as well so um it seems like it was rushed i heard uh psg was one of the teams that they wanted as well uh which is kind of notably absent here um yeah, so, I think Bayern Munich, too, was another Bayern. one. Them and, and Borussia Dortmund, they were looking at and would like to invite, but they never officially accepted. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, right? If you look at these clubs and, and they're historic, they literally have some of the largest fan bases of any sports organization out there. You know, one estimate in terms of the Manchester United fan base is $600 million. How What other teams in the world can claim that, right? And all of these other teams that we just mentioned – are probably 70 million plus. So it's just crazy to think that a, they have this power and, you know, if they did end up creating this league and they may try it again in the future, all likelihood is the fans would come in would tune in and it could be a success. It was just poor timing. And, uh, you know, people didn't like the Americanization, so to speak of international soccer. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a doubt of whether this works or not. I think it's a doubt of, do they have the organizational structure in place to make it work? Um, here in the United States, we have the NFL, and people are fans of teams, but all of these teams probably dwarf any, or would you know, you know, two X, three X, any NFL fandom for any team, including you know your Cowboys and things like that. So um, it's very interesting to see that they would do this. And try to rush it. Um, there's been rumors of this. Of, you know, you hear you hear now every now and then um, in years past. So it's not. This is not a brand new idea that they're coming up with. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how players on these teams react. Because it's one thing to have the clubs agree to do it, um, but you know some of the potential bans are not being able to play in Euros or not being able to play in the World Cup. And if you have someone like uh, Ronaldo and Messi who probably have one more World Cup, are they going to want to give that up? Um, is Then the flip side of that is, is FIFA willing to take away, you know, their biggest stars for 70% of the top players in the world and not have them playing for their team? So... Um, it, again, it's, 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 it, it seems when you read about it, that it was rushed. Um, and I, and I don't know why you rush it when you have the fan bases that you have, because this, this would work. This is something that could, you know, easily replace a champions league if they really wanted it to, just because the top players and the top teams are going to be in this super league. And so that's going to drive fans. That's going to drive revenue and business. So. Yeah, and it can even be, you know, complementary to it too, right? So one thing that, uh, this is one game, but, you know, every year you have Champions League champion, right? The person who wins the league wins the final. Then there's kind of the subset of that in UEFA called the Europa League. And then the two, those are two different winners that are crowned in Europe each year. They each play each other in one game in like August or so every year for the Super Cup. So it's like, it's not even just the word super and having sort of an ancillary thing is not unheard of. Um, 
but you know, you, you made a good point with the players and, and not just necessarily from a, um, you know, the, the FIFA banning them potential, but also what this, a super league could potentially mean. Right. So if it is a, an Americanization of sports, does that mean that now you're going to have some sort of salary caps put in place to, you know, limit how much these players can make, right? You look at you, let's just compare the top NFL player, Patrick Mahomes. He's making, you know, 50 million a year, the top MLB player, right? Uh, Trout is making 40 or so. Um, Lionel Messi's making $167 million a year. <laughs> and, you know, look, he is a global icon. They, they can do the calculations and see he's definitely delivering that and above and beyond to them also just based on his on-field performance, but merchandising. Um, but this is, again, if they're going to Americaniz- Americanization the sport, they want to have some sort of salary cap to, to curb that. Yeah, and then players, obviously, again, if I'm making $170 million a year, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I'll take 75 <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, again, I think uh, this again, these seem to be things that they hadn't thought about yet. This is a, like, oh, you know what? I don't like this deal. Hey, let me call you know, 12 of my closest friends and see if they want to do, do something. Um, so again, I think, uh, it'll be interesting to follow this, to see how this moves forward. And if this comes back at a later date, um, because it can work. And if you can figure out a way to make it work, obviously for them, they get to make more money and they get to keep that revenue without having to share it, um, with other teams. Uh, and you know, that's always going to be a benefit for them. Um, because, you know, money is going to drive the business. So we shall see where this goes. Um, very interesting if they get their stuff together, what that might look like and, and what does that, how does that reshape kind of soccer in Europe and as we know it. Definitely. Um, also happening this week, uh, Kobe Bryant's contract with Nike officially ended and this was not a they didn't break up uh, for lack of a better term um but you know it just came to an end and they were in discussions with the kobe bryant estate i think this is specifically uh vanessa bryant who's in charge of that and they uh were trying to negotiate what uh, a contract renewal would look like towards the future um, and they were unable to do that. There was, seems to be two key points uh, that Vanessa Bryant was looking for that Nike was unable to give at this time, and that was greater availability for the shoes when they release, as well as a lifetime deal similar to LeBron and uh, Michael Jordan and what they, what they seem to have uh, signed. So uh, which point would you like to tackle first uh yeah i mean let's talk about the the lifelong contract (laughs) you know i think it it i definitely understand where she's coming from and i think it it makes sense right like he's he's one of the icons like there's literally like fan pages right called the hall of kobe of just all the top shoes 
Um, so, you know, that equity is, is built and it seemed like it would have been mutually beneficial for, for both sides to agree to something. What do you think? Um, it, it becomes tricky because I mean, the, the deal itself is lifelong and, and unfortunately Kobe passed. Um, but I think it, it is mutually beneficial, uh, with Kobe's shoe being, uh, as prominent as it is with players in the NBA and. Uh, as well as how popular they are just in general for his line um, throughout every drop they sell out very quickly so uh, Kobe was also one that was you know into making sure that we got the best tech and things like that in shoes and so Kobe is instrumental in bringing the low top shoe to basketball and kind of breaking the idea that you had to wear high tops if you had bad ankle support and so i think nike could have used that as kind of a vessel to push new technology in along with some of their other athletes um obviously there's the needs for kobe and what uh he needs out of his shoe is going to be different than what lebron needs so you could be able to push different tech in different ways and i think that his shoe would have been a great way to do that moving forward um, and so that I think a lifetime deal does make sense. It it would just it seems like it would be wrong to have anyone other than potentially Adidas, uh, who also had a deal with Bryant early in his career, to release anything. So, um, that's a tough one. I understand, uh, you know why Vanessa Bryant would want that, and I kind of understand Nike's point of maybe not wanting just to continue that that line. Um, in the same manner that they're doing with Jordan and uh, and LeBron. Did you have a favorite favorite pair of Kobe's? Um, I wore them in high school. I think I had the Kobe four, if I remember correctly. Um, 